Blog Talk Radio. God damn it, I missed my cue. Hello! <laughs> and, our, and our favorite show tonight is Black Mirror Season 4. This is TV Party Tonight. I am your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And joining me tonight is my co-host with the most, the uh, host of Source Material in his own right, uh, the disapproving dad, he refuses to beat his children on one of my podcasts, no matter how many times I've beseeched him. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jesse Stark, sir. How do you do, sir? Well, I tell you what, if there was a podcast earlier this evening, you might have been <laughs> able to hear something. It's been a trying day here at the Starcher household, that's for sure. Oh, <sighs> no. Oh, when you, come, when you come close to, like, getting the belt out like your parents did, you know it's a bad day. But you restrain... And you don't get the belt out because things have changed nowadays. And instead, you just raise your voice a lot. All right. Well, let me uh, let me tell you, um, you are, at least in the state of Florida, I don't know how things are in Ohio, but in the state of Florida, as long as you don't leave marks and bruises on the children, anything goes. You can, you can, <laughs> you can, cook, you can cook cheat them like Mrs. Vision, as long as you don't uh, leave marks or bruises. Uh, cookie sheets. Oh boy, I could. Oh, that's a that's a uh, that's one I haven't used on the kids yet. Um, there's been many a weapon that have been threatened, many a kitchen appliance. You haven't <laughs> or, gone full ECW can't... on them yet. You What's haven't that? gone full ECW. I said you haven't gone not full yet. ECW on them yet. No, I'm not. I'm not like I would love to one day just like okay, I've had it. Go out to the garage and just wheel in a shopping cart full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking New Jack. Have a Trash have cans. a bandana tied have a bandana tied around your head with a knot in front. Pull a vacuum out, vacuum <laughs> once or twice. Hit Caleb with it. There you go. Grab a, <laughs> grab a computer keyboard. Gear takes a shot in the forehead. Oh boy! You know we're getting ready to discuss. I, we're we're a little early, but uh, here at about episode two, when we get to watch some, uh, we get to watch some uh, not not kitchen utensils. But we get to watch some almost ECW stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. What are we talking about tonight? Well, really, who who hasn't wanted to beat someone to death with death with a tablet? Really, <laughs> if, you, if you to me the invention of the tablet begged someone to use it as a weapon. So, someone's getting well, smacked in the face. Yeah, someone's ta- happening. Someone's taking a tablet to the fucking face. 
Um, yeah. No, the worst, the worst part of my night was uh, I, uh, my, my wife planned this trip to Cocoa Beach because she wanted to take, you know, she thought it would be cool to, for the mm. family to go to Kennedy Space Center. And then, you know, that is, go, that's, a, that's some, I've been there. My, my grandpa lives in, uh, oh, uh, hold on a second, Titusville. So right, right, yeah. right across, right across. Yep. So we're, we're going to go there at the end of spring break and we're like, well, what else can we do? And I was like, you know what? I've been, so that's over there that I've never actually been to. And I can cross it off my bucket list is Daytona. Now I'm not a NASCAR person. Yeehaw. Like ever. But I, you know, but I didn't think I was a monster truck person either until I actually went to monster truck thing. And I was like, okay, I've done it once. My kids liked it. You know, maybe I'd go again if they want, if they really wanted to go, but I think it was a fun thing to do at least once. Yeah. And I thought, and I was like, you know, I've never, I've never actually been to a car race before. Um, and you know, we have Daytona here. I think, you know, it's like one of those things where I want to do everything that there is to do before this, you know, this short life is over sure. um, or before I upload my conscious to San Junipero. Season three. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so before, before all the, all that happens, I want to, you know, I want to try all the things there are to try, you know, with, within a reasonable uh, distance. And I was like, okay, well, why don't we go? And my son loves racing. He loves Hot Wheels and all that. So I'm like, hey, let's let's take in one of the races. Now there happens to be one that weekend. And I and I am just neurotic about this. Like I have like Saturday, I have to buy tickets for a, myself and a bunch of coworkers to go see Death Leopard and Journey. I'm so anxious right now because I have to wait till Saturday. Like I want to buy them now. There's pre-sales <laughs> happening now, <laughs> but, but I don't have oh, any pre-sale boy. code. So I can't do it, and it's freaking me out. And you know, so I was like, so I said to my wife, I was like, listen, since we're, I know we're going to do this, let me go ahead and buy the Daytona 200 tickets. Like now, she's like, how about you wait until uh, you get your next paycheck, and we've paid some of the, you know, the, the beginning of the month bills. You know what those beginning of the month bills are like. You got to pay your rent, and your mortgage. Oh yeah. And there's always a lot of stuff that hits at the beginning of the month, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and. I didn't hear the part about wait till you get paid. I just heard not yet. And I turned into my son momentarily. You never let me have any fun. And like, you know, proceeded to mope and, and throw a fit. <laughs> doesn't mm. compare to wanting to beat my, ch- doesn't compare to wanting to beat your children. I became one of my children, but you know, we, <laughs> we, <laughs> we each had a night is the point of all of this. Oh yes, I'm. I'm glad we get together tonight and and have a TV party. Uh, did you see that uh, that they're developing a Metropolis show based on Lois Lane and Lex Luthor? No, no, I did not. They are. Oh, yeah, let's check, just do check. let's just do a TV show about Superman, but don't have Superman. That's correct. The way it, that's the way it feels anymore. It's like, oh, hey, here's the main character, but we aren't going to bring the main character in. Uh, well, that's the thing. This it's is like, a, this let's, is a story about the town. Every nook and cranny of the comic book universe, whether it be Marvel or DC, let's try to let's try to turn it into a television show. That that seems to be the way we're going. Like people yes. like comics here. Let's let's do a show about it. That was I when when Gotham uh, was first pitched. You know, like oh, this coming this fall is bat is a Batman show without Batman, and it, it you know it's. Uh, it's going to feature James Gordon. I was like, who the fuck cares? 
Well, the these are the same guys. Is this the same one I just saw that it's being done by the showrunners of Gotham? Gotham? I'd have to. Metropolis? I'd have to look. I only saw uh, the headline. I by the way, I saw you. the headline and immediately looked at my lit my my uh, pile of graphic novels I haven't read yet, and I'm like, oh, I have a graphic novel that goes with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hashtag I'm, I'm looking the schedule. That's right. That is right. Comic Book Resources, I think, was the one that just uh, shared it. But anyway, I'll look. You go ahead and talk. Okay. <laughs> so Jesse was the one that turned me on to Black Mirror. Uh, it's, this is our modern Twilight Zone uh, television show that airs on Netflix. Uh, it's, it's short seasons, about six episodes long. Uh, it actually started with like only three episodes originally. But uh, it, it, the whole purpose of Black Mirror is to kind of do these uh, Twilight Zone-esque uh, episodes that feature some sort of technology that we're on the cusp of or that we have now and, you know, and is in slowly integrating into every part of our life. These are, th- these are uh, bits of technology that are absolutely within the realm of possibility uh, in the way that they're used in these shows. This is not, this is not such far out stuff that, you know, one could never think of it. These are, these are things we're actively working on, or like I said, or we have right now and are soon to be introduced into uh, everyday life. You know, we, to, to think that if you look, you know, you look around your house and you think about, you know, your Amazon Echoes and Google, uh, Google machines of the same nature, your uh, smart TVs, your tablets, all of those things just 10 years ago were future technology. They're here now. I have, I have a, an Amazon Echo on my desk. So, wow. um, you know, so if you think about the technology that's in Black Mirror, it's all stuff that within the next 10 years could be on your desk. You, you know, neural transmitters in your, head. In, in your head, a lot of it in your head. So let's get to talking about it. Um, our first episode here is USS Callister. Oh, and boy. This, one, you know, this is a big part of the marketing campaign for season four. When a lot of a lot of articles were written about uh, the, the whole of season four used pictures of the cast from USS Callister because it's. It's a parody in, of sorts of Star Trek. Yeah. And the technology featured here is um, a massive multiplayer online game uh, where you're in a virtual reality. So think instead of playing, instead of you know, you, using your computer to play World of Warcraft, you, are, you put your consciousness inside World of Warcraft. That kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the premise here is that the uh, our villain of the show, I'm trying to find a picture of the cast here. Oh, Jesse Plemons, who plays Robert Daly, has created a an offline version of the uh, the game that he invented called Infinity. He's created a build that's offline that's that's private to him, um, and he's adapted it so that it resembles basically Star Trek. Uh, and he has stolen DNA from several of his coworkers so that he could build, <laughs> so that he could this, insert digital copies the, of it in the game. 
this is a term that has been uh, it, it has been coined being pearl muttered by our friends over <laughs> at the Kapow podcast because I don't know I, uh, they brought up an obscure uh, article about I think it's Ike Perlmutter who's uh, somehow and in, uh, he's involved in DC and Marvel or not excuse me Disney and Marvel uh, but anyway yeah he. I think somebody attempted to steal his DNA at some point, and he sued them over it. So, yeah, anytime you see that happen, Mark Radlich, that, that the term is Perlmuttered, okay? Got it. <laughs> so Robert Daly is played by Jesse Plemons. Pearl mutters about a half a dozen of his coworkers uh, and forces them to act out his fantasy life of living in, on the uh, Star Trek show. Um, though it's not called Star Trek, it's called like Space Fleet, I think. Uh, in any case, along the way, he, you know, and if they get out of line, he abuses them. Oh, boy, et cetera, does he. Et cetera. So uh, you see uh, in his real life, he's a very frustrated, very angry person who gets abused by his partner, who, you know, essentially is also his boss. Um, his coworkers don't really like, respect him. And so he sort of acts out his frustrations in the game. And everything is going along swimmingly until the mother shows up. You know who the mother is? The mother. The mother. From How I Met Your Mother. The mother. Uh, is that who that is? Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> Kristen, <laughs> Kristen don't, Milotti I don't watch the show, up. apparently. No, you need to watch How I Met Your Mother. Um so uh, Kristen Milotti, who played the mother on How I Met Your Mother in the final season, plays Nanette Cole, and she shows up, and she initially is very warm to him because she thinks he's a genius and his code is uh, divine and all of this. And she sort of gets hip to the fact that he's an awkward outcast and a bit of a weirdo. Um, so, of course, she ends up in the game, and she is low to give in to his machinations. She fights back. Uh, this all goes to a head where they come up with a plan to use the, up, the, the Christmas Eve update as a means of escape, thinking it'll just erase all of their digital consciousness and they'll, you know, essentially they'll die in the game. Uh, but what ends up happening is that they are in the shared game proper. Uh, along the way, uh, Robert Daly uh, is uh, tricked. And he, he tries to chase them down. He can't use his god powers, for whatever the reasons are, to stop what's happening. Uh, and he gets stuck inside of his own build. And unless somebody shows up at his apartment and takes the insert off of his head yeah, that allows dead. his consciousness to be in the game, he's, he's essentially stuck in the game. Mm. And there is no game. Any, and the game has deleted itself, so he's basically stuck in an empty void. And that's where... Uh, the, that's where the episode ends. Do they miss anything of importance here? No, no. I think this is an interesting episode when it comes to we're pulling for the machine here. Uh, I mean, clearly, you said it was Robert Daly, right? Is his name? I have it. I had it in front yep, of me. Yep, Robert Daly. He he's clearly the villain here. But sure. I mean, I I don't know. I I kind of identify with this guy because. He represents pretty much every gamer out there almost, uh, especially in an open world. I mean, dude, I watch 
you know, my son play video games. I've played video games as a kid. And when they've opened, they've got these open world video games now. Like, did you ever play any of the Grand Theft Auto series? No. The only MMO I've ever played is um, World of Warcraft. Okay, well, I mean, you could go around and do anything you want, kill anybody you wanted to, and act in any way you you, you felt, uh, I assume, that you cared to act. Uh, If you wanted to kill somebody, you could. If you wanted to follow the the line, uh, your own personal uh, code of honor or whatever, you could do that. So this guy represents just about everybody out there who – who wouldn't want a virtual reality uh, game where you could do just about anything you wanted with just about anybody you wanted? Um, the the weird part is, you know, this guy kind of, I don't know, I don't know if you want to say clones these people, but I mean, it's pretty much a, a cloning sequence, which they certainly don't go into. They just kind of braze it, you know, glaze over it by saying, okay, hey, yeah, he's got their DNA and that's how he creates the models of these people. But they essentially become intelligent or they're when they're born in the ship, they're already intelligent. Uh, but still that you, you see that guy as a villain and you root for the people who are the machine to get out of there. I didn't know where the episode was going to go. I was like, okay, well, what's she going to do? Is she going to, when she is contacting herself outside of the, uh, out, out her actual self in the real world, is she going to have her delete everything? I didn't know exactly how they were going to go about it, but I thought it was pretty neat how they ended the episode itself by kind of, you know, allowing them to kind of move on uh, and continue by going out into the Internet, I guess you would say, although it's not much more of a hospitable place out there. (laughs) (laughs) King of space, baby. King of space. (laughs) Uh, I thought it was hilarious because, I mean, they all, you know, they figure out this, crazy tricky way to get out of there and then they end up you know just out there in the ether uh amongst the cloud as they were saying and (laughs) and you you run into some dude is probably like infinitely worse than robert daly in real life uh you know (laughs) his character anyway and this guy's just some douchebag sitting on the uh, and playing for like a couple hours and i I think the quote was are we going to blow each other are we going to trade and i'm just like oh okay (laughs) But anyway, yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, it's funny you say. I mean, he, here's the whole setup, right? They are digital copies of people's consciousness. They are. Uh, they are. Essentially That's a recurring a cl- theme. They are. Yeah, they are clones. They are digital clones of their original selves, with all of the memories and everything else. But this goes back to the San Junipero episode. And this whole season kind of goes back to that a few times. Mm-hmm. Of If you put your consciousness in a digital space, at what point does life lose all of its meaning? Because think about the hell that they're trapped in. They're oh, trapped yeah. in, this, in this guy's game build. They can't procreate. They have no... They have no sex function essentially <laughs> and you see that clearly when they drop their yeah. drawers one of them drops their drawers and there's nothing but a nub uh, um not even not even so, a nub. T- so not even dealing with the fact that he can just, just turn them into monsters or you know make them suffocate at will or anything like that forgetting for the fact that he has god powers in this universe 
Um, just the idea of when he's not even there, they have no meaning. If he decides he's not going to play the game for a year, they're just sitting there for a year doing nothing. They, 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 life, life essentially just stops. I think it's yeah. even worse than prison. In prison, you can at least feel things. You know, there's the, you know, it, 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 there's the progression of time. Um, we talked about this when we talked about season three about, you know, with death looming on the horizon at, at a minimum, it gives life meaning, you know, mm-hmm. do what you is what I was saying before about, I want to do things before I run out of time. Um, when you, when, when, when time is no longer a factor, is any of that stuff meaningful? And so yep. that's what all of these characters are going through. They tend not to focus. I mean, there's, definitely allusions to that and in some cases they outright dealt with it i my almost my favorite part of this is when his uh boss character is smashing his face into the keyboard and the guy's like will you stop that he's trying to make this into a hobby <laughs> yeah because nothing it's matters like, he's trying to yeah they, something they are trying their yeah they're trying their best to because yeah he leaves and all they're doing is just sitting there waiting for the guy to come back. And the horrible part about it is, is that they want nothing to do with this guy. They have, right. they don't want anything to do with this guy. And the only thing that can actually, the only excitement they kind of get is when he does appear, but then they're afraid for their own livelihood and what this guy will, you know, what he'll do to them. Um, so it's, a sad, it's sad existence. Go ahead. So let's talk about the one thing in this episode that I had a, I really struggled with because my, my initial reaction to it was, doesn't he know it's not real? But then I thought, yeah, but what if it was me? And would it even matter? Uh, and that is how Daly broke, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Um, how, what is this fellow's name? Um, Who are we talking? To, what, the, the his boss, his well, uh, boss. The guy that plays him, I believe, is Jimmy Simpson. I don't know what his actual name is. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm we'll trying to find him Jimmy. on the wiki. Let's Walton. go, with Jimmy. How's Walton? There we go. Um, so, cast and filming. Maybe I should have looked there, Dick. Uh, <laughs> here we go. So, yeah, so how he broke Walton, the story of how he broke Walton, because uh, the mother, good old Nanette Cole, uh, comes up with this uh, plan to escape. How, you know, they're going to use the, the update, which is expressing itself as a wormhole, to get out of his build. And he doesn't want to participate. He doesn't care. And she's like, why don't you want to fight? What is wrong with you? And he says... Essentially, I watched my son get murdered, and he kept and he kept throwing him at an airlock until he until the guy was like, "All right, you win. I get it." And you know, I would. Here's the thing: that's not really his son. His son is being unmolested in the real world, and so this is just a digital copy. Sure. Um. So on the one hand, I was like, "Why does that even matter to him? Why does he care?" If the kid goes out in airlock, yeah, like that's not really him, and he's not really him. Yeah, there's the thing. If 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 he's he would have to come to the realization that he's not really himself, and 
you can't say that if you were in Walton's position on that ship and you knew who you were, what you, you felt like you had something, some type of existence, even though you may not have much of a meaning there, you do, you know, you do feel things, you know, when he removes your, removes uh, your, your face from your head, you're going to kind of feel it when he turns you into a, a, a blithering blobbery beast you're 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 going to feel it so you kind of fear for that stuff so the thing is is that i believe he believed that he was real in a sense i'll I'll put it that way he may Mm -hmm. know he's a digital copy or whatever but he believed that he had feelings sure do you uh do you watch agents of shield no i do not i I haven't watched anything past first season anyway all right so last season they all, the entire crew of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had their consciousness put in a virtual reality space. And the virtual reality space was initially designed to give all of them the one thing that they, that they were missing. It was, the, the way that it was designed was each one of them would end up in a life that would resolve their biggest regret. But as virtual spaces will do, it evolved events changed things and it became a world run by Hydra. In this world run by Hydra, one of the characters, Mac, the, the tall black guy, isn't an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. He, in, in this build, his daughter is alive and he's raising her as a single father. And when at the, at, towards the end of this uh, arc, spoilers, towards the end of this arc, he is made to realize that this isn't the real world. This is a virtual world. In the real world, there's a crazy LMD running amok. <laughs> and, and we have to get out of this before we all die. And he's like, I don't want to. I don't want to yeah. go back to a world where my daughter doesn't exist. And I remember screaming at the television... <laughs> It's not real. It's not real. <laughs> Your daughter yeah. is real. And there were characters yelling that at him. Like, it's not real, you dick. <laughs> and so I think that's my struggle with this, is that I have a hard time relating to a character that can't separate themselves from that aspect. Um, which, okay. which brings me back to Walton, where I get that watching your child die would be traumatic, but at some point, wouldn't you connect the fact that it isn't really your child? It's, it's a virtual copy and it's meaningless. Um, okay. That was the All one right. struggle I had with this. Um, it, my, I mean, the only thing I would say is like, I would absolutely hate having to watch whether it be a copy or not. If somebody put a video in front of you and said, watch this and you know, it, it's one of your children getting killed in some horrific way. You're not going to watch. You're not going to want to watch after any, you know, after a long time, immediately or for quite a while. There's not any point where you're going to say, "Oh, I don't want to see that happen again." Well, with the power that Robert Daly has over this ship, he can make you watch no matter what. And I think that's that's probably the key here is that you're not going to want to see it, even though it may not be real it's still something you don't want to have to experience and watch happen. Right. Um, and it, just for the sake of time, uh, I thought it was a very satisfying ending. 
You know, he gets his comeuppance. Uh, oh yeah. Like 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 a lot of characters in Black Mirror, he he ends up essentially a vegetable. Um, I mean, presumably <laughs> if some some presumably somebody could save him, but who but who knows if that's actually going to happen or not. So um, at least the the time being, the all the virtual characters escape to go live in the game, which is infinitely expanding. <laughs> they have to deal with King of Space. <laughs> Which they they said uh, a lot of people swear up and down that's Aaron Paul's voice. It is. Um, is it okay? All right. <laughs> yeah, Gamer Six Nine One is Aaron Paul. <laughs> Classic. Um. So fifty words. What do you th- what did you think of this episode? Um. Oh, in comparison uh, to the next five that we're going to talk about. Okay, I would say this ranks up there uh, in probably the top three. I mean, it was a fun. It was a fun episode. I sat down and watched, you know, with my wife. I watched every single one of these episodes with my wife, and she was into it as well. So if it can keep my attention and my wife's attention and be about something similar to Star Trek, thumbs up. Let's talk about Archangel. Um, This is really a simple thing here, and as parents, I think this is probably the most relatable episode of the entire six episode uh, season. Um, We have a woman who gives birth to a baby girl, Baby girl uh, grows up a little. She goes to a park. Baby girl wanders off. And for a brief moment in time, mom can't find the baby girl. Uh, So technology is developed. It's essentially a, um, at a minimum, it's a GPS tracker that you install inside your child. But what uh, what it also does is uh, it's essentially it's an implant that allows you via tablet to not only track your child, but track your child's whereabouts, but also track uh, rises in cortisone. Um, it's got uh, drug uh, narcotics detection. And here's the big selling point. You can see what your child sees. You can also limit what your child sees by applying filters. And that's what happens. Mom puts, oh the, uh, mom puts the, the filter on. And so things like scary dogs and porno and violence are all blotted out. Uh, this causes the child to not develop, uh, develop like autism-like symptoms, essentially, but not actual autism. Uh, she's immature. Uh, she is not able to, you know, she kind of gets made fun of in school because uh, essentially she's, mom sees what the kid sees and, and I'm sure does something about it, which is the implication you know, that she's the snitch. Well, she doesn't really tell. It's just that her mom is seeing what she saw. Yeah, uh, nobody would want to hang out with a kid like that if, if they know right. that there could be a possibility of parents watching no matter what. Right. So um, this all comes to a head when the child, uh, with two incidents happen. One, the child does not react when the grandfather has a stroke in the home uh, and falls down because the, the filter blots it, blots it out. She can't see it. Um, and the other thing is she can't see blood even when she draws or when she draws blood on a paper. So she stabs herself in the hand. Um, at which point the mother is encouraged to, <laughs> at which point the mother is encouraged to turn the damn filter off, which she does. The kid then, you know, starts to develop normally. Uh, we, we flash forward to when she's 15 years old and she's pretty well adjusted. She's doing fine. Uh, she runs into the same kid who, in, on the playground, introduced her to porn and violence and whatnot. Uh, his name is Trick. 
And of course, you know, <laughs> I have a horrible joke. He also introduced <laughs> her to something else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. So, you know, trick is it's a typical good girl falls for the bad boy uh, scenario. Only they uh, they end up having sex on the beach, but the mom, because she because the kid's not where she's supposed to be, goes back and turns the uh, the application on, which is called Archangel. Uh, and of course, mom turns on the archangel just about when the girl's saying "fuck me harder." Every parent's nightmare. Just the worst. Oh, um, the mom proceeds to then meddle in the daughter's life. Uh, she gives her a morning after pill, which terminates a um, an accidental pregnancy that emanated from the "fuck me harder." Um, then we have uh, the uh, the mom finds trick uh, via a Google image search. And she goes to the, she goes to his place of work and, and says, look back off my daughter. I'm going to report you to the police. She's 15. You're not uh, this, this will not happen. So um, the daughter doesn't know any of this is happening. She, uh, she finds out later that the mom confronted him. She also then figures out that the mom uh, gave her the morning after pill at which point the, yeah. the kid comes home and realizes, hey, wait a second, I've been had. She put, she's turned the stupid program back on again. Um, and she gets angry and hits the mom with the tablet. And the mom's like, I was doing it for you. It was all for you. And the kid's like, ECW, ECW. No, um, <laughs> the, the, kid, the kid takes the tablet, beats the fuck out of her with it. Oh, and, my gosh. And doesn't, and doesn't quite see what she's doing because the filter turns on. So she finally smashes the thing, and the filter finally goes away. She realizes what she's done. She runs away. The last thing we see is her getting into a truck. And then we are right back where we started as the mom goes running into the street yelling for Sarah, who is the daughter. And that's where the episode ends. Um, you know, as a parent, the worst thing in the world is to not know where your children are. I've definitely had one or two scary moments like that where, you know, I, the kid isn't where I left him. You know, and I've had to go, hey, wait a minute, where are you? And it's, you know, and there's always that possibility that someone's going to uh, run away with your kid. Uh, those with the way my kids behave at times, I don't know why you'd want them. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but whatever the situation is, it's always a fear and it's, it's always a possibility. Oh, yeah. I don't think in my wildest dreams, well, the GPS tracker, I think, is useful. None of that other stuff is worth it. I said, you know, I, I, I had a conversation with Melissa about it and I said the value in uh, experiencing negative things and falling on your face and failing as, as, a, as a teaching mechanism cannot be overstated. Yes. And when you and when you overparent, when you helicopter parent, when you limit the stimuli uh, that a child can be exposed to. I mean, I'm not saying you should necessarily sit your five-year-old down and say, all right, here's fucking in the butt. Let's go. That's what, what that is. And here's a little be and here's a little bondage, you know, Oh, look, here's a beheading. Um, we'll get it all in there, junior. You know, and I'm not saying that's necessary. I'm just saying it's okay that I play Slayer in the car with my children. I'm just saying it's that angel of death doesn't hurt them. Um, that's right. <laughs> So my point is, and I'll, and I'll let you weigh in here. Um, the mother is clearly a villain in this, 
but she's the best kind of villain, the one that thought she was doing the right thing. And while it was painful to see the ending and see how it turned out for the mom, she too kind of got what was coming to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she, the whole reason for her putting that chip in her child was to make sure that she didn't lose her. Just like you said, there's been that scary moment where uh, you didn't know where your kid was. Well, wouldn't it be nice to just pull up your app on your phone and be like, oh, okay, there they are. Thank goodness. They're just, you know, they're behind the house or whatever. Um, And what ends up happening is when all it was said and done is she ends up losing her kid. It may have just delayed it long, longer, you know, there was just a, you know, the whole reason for her leaving was because this chip, because of this, because of that need to know. And I don't think I've, well, I won't have fully crossed that line where I have to say to myself, okay, stay out of your, you know, stay out, stay out of, give your daughter some privacy. We're not at that point with my daughter right now. You know, she's 12, but at some point that day is going to come where I have to say, okay, I'm, I'm backing off. I've got to let her make her own decisions. She's got to be able to take whatever she can in of the world and make sense of it her own way. If I'm sitting there holding her hand the whole time or making sure that whatever mistake she makes is corrected in some way or whatever, whatever uh, thing she's been exposed to, has to be immediately rectified with an explanation or, or, or that, you know, or, or just any degree of that. Um, you know, that's, that's not what parenting is. Parenting is bringing up kids who understand the world in their way. And your best bet is to kind of just say, okay, you know, here's probably the, the best way to handle something like that. Oh, man. And I struggle with that every day. Every single day as a parent, you're going to look and be worried. It's tough. Um, Can you tell me, I mean, do you have any experience with desensitizing, uh, you know, at work? I know you work with a lot of people. Does that seem to be something you notice? Like you could say, okay, well, this guy was exposed to a lot of crap at an early age and that's ruined them or does that even play into it well i mean there's i think in a, in a general sense i know for a fact that people are and people with personality disorders are definitely desensitized to how you know other people feel around them there's just no concept um you know it does it just doesn't even register mm-hmm. um as far as behavior goes, you know, you get a lot of people who act in a way where the, 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 the consideration of other people isn't, doesn't even come into play. They are acting as if they are the only ones on the planet. And, you know, again, it's like you expect developmentally that's appropriate for a young child. Like my son will, will talk right over somebody because he is the only one on earth. <laughs> I identify with that, sir. (laughs) And you have to tell them you are not the only one on earth. Please don't be rude. 
but yeah. but the developmentally that's appropriate and that's where parenting comes into effect. You have to teach them. Um, I think it's important to, to, to just say that just as a general rule that yes, a lot of children's behaviors are fucking annoying, but they're developmentally appropriate. Your job as a parent is to take the fucking annoying and teach them the appropriate way to be. And eventually they'll grow into people who can apply those lessons. Yeah. Uh, and it's important to try to not to, to lose your patience with them when they're doing what their age dictates they should be doing. Um, you just can't, you just can't let it stand. And, yeah. and that's, that's the, that's the struggle of parenting young children. I know that's, that's what I go through. Um, but you know, I just, that under trying to, that, that line between understanding and not letting it become a habit to where 20 years from now, they're 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 in a holding cell, banging on the door and screaming, you know, oh, let let me out, you fuckers. Yeah, it's the whole hand holding and and you know the chip and and following up and a lot of times the kids equate that to not being trusted, um, and it leads to a lot of resentment. I mean, if you sure. just look at it as a political point of view as well with like a lot of people resent the government because hey they're they're in your business all the time it just mm-hmm. leads to resentment it's just that action of sticking right. your nose in or you know uh, and i think that's what happens here is a combination of both where this lady desensitized her child so much that you know she couldn't she was kind of stunted i guess you would say well, and then the thing, isn't she, it what we just talked about with you know uh, about this, the secret to happiness in life is to be able to feel things. Yeah. And when you yeah. can't feel them, you'll, you'll, you'll seek out any stimuli. Again, San Juniper, you know, after, after a while, you know, just to give their life some sort of meaning and feel something, they'll do just about anything. Uh, the USS Callister, I'm banging my face into this thing because I need to feel something. <laughs> you know, yeah. again, you know, and now you see a sort of real-world application of it. Now you're not even talking about a digital space. You're talking about a real-world space where you rob somebody of the opportunity to, uh, to be stimulated, rightly or wrongly. Mm-hmm. And you see what that produces. Yeah, it's, it's not it, – it, the, obviously the take here, the commentary here is that it's, it, it doesn't result in anything good. It results in resentment. It results in a face-beating by a tablet. I mean, it just, it's bad. It's, it's going to be bad. Like and at the, end, at the end of things, she lost her kid again. And this time mm-hmm. it was, her kid ran off because of her. Not, and got, you know. And got a truck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got in the truck. That's, that's not a good, no. If my daughter runs away and hops into a semi or whatever, I know I failed as a parent. Yeah, you have, you, you get an after parenting. <laughs> That's the old. If my daughter ends, up, I just have one job as a father. Don't let them on the pole. <laughs> yeah, don't not do not be employed there. That'll be no, not there, not there, or there. Those three yeah. establishments do not you, do not apply. This was the most relatable of all the episodes this season to, for me. Uh, I this can agree. The most interesting. This this was the most relatable. This was the most believable. This probably the way that it ends with the mom running into the street, the way she does was probably the, the strongest image for me because again, like, you know, unlike USS Callister, 
you know, where he's just a prick and, you know, and he's, um, talk about desensitized, you know, he, he's somebody who's struggling with relationships and real life. So he becomes an online bully. Like, okay, well, I don't sympathize with you. I sympathize with this mom and it's just one bad decision after another with the right intentions leading to a horrifying ending. That's the stuff that sticks with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It is one of the one of the more relatable ones for myself. Um, you know, I look at the rest of these. Uh, the rest of these, when it comes to the fantastical, I guess you would say. Uh, you know, other than just the technology bit of this, the rest of it's all. You know, it, it all feels very human. All right, let's talk about Crocodile. I thought this was a stupid episode. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, I don't know what this one was trying to say other than uh, occasionally people murder and try to cover up their murdering with more murders. Okay. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, until today, I didn't understand why it was called Crocodile. Um, do you, well, I'll go ahead and let our listeners know. You may already know this, but the reason that it's called crocodile is because crocodiles kill and then quote cry despite feeling no no remorse. Um, but here's the problem: I did I had I no idea. Did not know that. You know that's pretty good. <laughs> I didn't know that until today, and when I watched the episode, I'm I'm sitting there going like, okay, how how in the world does the title tie into this? Uh, but yes, that's that's why they call this episode Crocodile. It fits aptly because this lady goes on a murder spree. Yeah, she goes on. I mean, it's not like she's psychotic or anything. She's obviously got something wrong with her because the only thing that she can think of to cover up her problems. Go ahead and describe the episode. I mean, I, I, I'm jumping ahead of myself. It's just like murder after murder. OK, clean that up. Shove it under the rug. Shove that guy under the rug. Shove that baby so, under the rug. Uh, me, me, yeah. Mia Nolan and Rob, who are played by Andrea Risenborough and Andrew Gower, respectively, are driving home. Um, they're drunk. Rob hits a, a cyclist and uh, kills him. And they go, well, this is going to end up in going to prison. So let's just throw him into the drink. And they do. <laughs> years later, 15 years later, as a matter of fact, uh, Mia is happy and successful uh, as it turns out, the family of the cyclists still think they, they're alive. The guy's having some difficulty with the guilt. Oh, the guilt. And so he's like, I'm going to come clean. I'm going to turn myself in. And she's like, if you do, you're going to fuck me because I was there. I helped. I'm an accomplice. Uh, and I'm doing just fine with the guilt. Thank you very much. Uh, a struggle ensues. She ends up accidentally killing him. Um, in doing so... In the midst of all of this, she also saw somebody get hit by a uh, driver's pizza truck, which is a, which is an important part of the uh, the episode. The technology at play here, you know, that that the story revolves around, is a machine that allows a viewer to see your memories. Um, so an insurance agent uh, is using the, the technology to you know build a case to see. Uh, who was at fault in this person getting hit by the pizza truck? You know, was it negligence on part of the uh, pizza truck or was it negligence on the part of the person? Let's see what happens. 
And so she's in, so she's talking to all these different people and getting their memories. And finally, she comes across Mia. Uh, and in coming across Mia, she sees the memories of her killing the dude and killing the cyclist. And when Mia figures out that she's been had, she fucking kills this woman. Yeah. And then she realizes that the woman told the husband, her husband, what, what what's up, and she kills the husband. And then she sees the baby. Oh. <laughs> she's just like, there, there shan't be any witnesses, and kills the baby. Oh. And then she goes to see her kid perform in a play, and she and uh, I, I can't remember how the cops figured we'll out get it was right, her. Yeah. Well, We'll get, you can't remember how the cop figured out it was her? Oh, that's yeah. the best part of this whole damn thing. Well, here's the deal. She, she ends up killing the baby, and they're at the scene of the crime. Oh, that's and right. Now the, I remember. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> now I remember this. And one of the cops mentions that I, they couldn't understand why she killed the baby or the person killed the baby because the baby was blind. And you're like, oh, you're fucking kidding me. And then... They turn, and in the baby's room, you hear a little bit of chirping, and it's a, a little guinea pig or a hamster or something like that. And they hook the device up to the damn hamster's head, and they, <laughs> she, she didn't know it would work on animals. And you didn't know it worked work on animals. Well, damn, sure enough, it works on animals. And they're able to uh, see the whole thing take place and figure out who it was. Uh, so it was, it was an interesting <laughs> It was an interesting <laughs> twist, but uh, it was pretty she, sad to find got, out she killed the baby for no reason. Gee, she got she got turned in by the damn uh, by the damn hamster. <laughs> the G Force <laughs> wasn't there a movie? Uh, gerbils. Bunch <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> <yep. laughs> uh, anyway, Good yeah, I, I'm right there um, with you. This one kind of felt. This one was not my favorite because I wasn't like hanging on edge. Uh, at any point I felt very, it was almost like a, it was definitely a horror uh, type of episode because I mean, she has that one lady tied up the insurance investigator or whatever. And she's tied up in a barn and she has like a, a two by four. And you're like, okay, she's something's going to happen here. We've been following this lady's life for a little while. She fucking hit the home run with it. <laughs> and she continues to hit the home run like four or five times. You just hear smack, smack. And I was like, oh, geez, she's that's not good. So it was brutal in some aspects. Um, there certainly wasn't much of a it wasn't like a mu- much of a moral here. Uh, no, just, obviously like, you don't I, commit murder. Some of these comment about society. And, I, and those are the episodes I really enjoy, I really like. The ones that are just like, here's some technology. Here's how people use it. Here's how it gets abused. Here's lots of death. Like, yeah. Meh. I'm not into those episodes as such. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just a, this is just a story told. It's an, the one thing I have to try and remember is that this is an anthology series that is put together to kind of tell stories that involve futuristic technology. Yeah, the ones we love are the ones that have that fun twist and fun moral and societal commentary. But sometimes it's, it's somebody trying to escape the technology. Is the, I guess that maybe that's probably the best way to uh, kind of spin this one is that, no, yeah, you're, you're going to continue to try and escape 
the technology, but regardless, it's kind of futile. She wasn't able to do it no matter what in the end anyway. Uh, a, a killer's going to get caught. And by golly, we have technology that makes it a lot easier nowadays for a killer to be caught. So I guess I just I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I kind of I just didn't care. Like I feel you on I, that. I, this this you know, was the weakest episode, in my opinion, of this of this series. Or no, me, that's, this still, that's still coming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for you, sir, maybe. <laughs> for me, this one was. All right. Um, I love this next episode. It's not my favorite, but I, I really enjoyed a lot of things about this episode. Um, this is our Tinder episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is called Hang the DJ, which, by the way, were you aware of that Smith song, uh, pa- uh, Panic? No, no, I had no idea. Yes, Hang the DJ is the chorus from uh, the Smith song, Panic. Panic on the streets of London. Panic on the streets of Birmingham. Hang the DJ, hang the DJ, hang the DJ. Never nope. heard that? No clue, no All right. clue sir. They, they played Go it, upload. though, in the, they played it in, in the show, right? Yes, they did. Go upload it for me so we can hear it. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> That's tomorrow. <laughs> just kidding anyway um hang on i gotta add another half an hour here i thought we'd be done by now but um no we we spent a long time talking about uh uss callister which is fine so i'll add a little bit more time here so we can give these the full breath of uh discussion all right hang the dj hang the dj hang the dj our episode centers around uh, Frank, who is played by Joe Cole, and Amy, who is played by Georgina Campbell, and they are in something called the system. The system will match you with your um, with the best person for you with ninety nine something like ninety nine point eight success uh, percent success rate. If you do the program, if you do the system the way that it's to be done, at the end you will be paired with your soulmate. Hot tatsi, but you know, but that's the thing is you never know how long it's going to take. Uh, you never know how long you're going to be with any one person. And so you have two different stories here. You have Frank's story where he spends the majority of time with this soulless ice queen uh, who that was one of my favorite parts of the episode. And she's like, you're going to have to do it from behind. Like, uh, not so much in out. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just a nightmare. giving him tips on sex. Which, was that the only, uh, was that the only episode this season that featured uh, a sexual encounter? Because usually we have more than that. I can't trying to recall because i remember um, like in the early days of black yeah, mirror i would say we yeah. like geez every, okay all right so well, well that's good I, I think that's an improvement but regardless yes that was hilarious <laughs> yeah so so me so while he's trapped in this in this long relationship with this horrible human being um he ends up in uh one relatively short relationship and then a bunch of what stands um and they they both have a different experience with the system. Then they're finally matched together and they agree not to look and see how much time there's left um, together. Uh, but of course, Frank can't handle it. And he looks and in doing so looking without you know, breaking their bond, looking at the amount of time they have left without her being aware of it uh, makes their relationship shortened by several years what was once a five-year relationship gets shortened like 20 hours. Uh, she gets pissed yeah, at him for betraying her. Shutting the luck. 
she gets pissed <laughs> at him for for betraying her and you know then she ends up in another relationship and so does he and finally she gets matched with somebody um and they say okay well you can dance if you want you can leave your friends behind you can say goodbye to whoever you want to say goodbye to and uh so they have one last encounter at which point they both rebel which then reveals the fact that the thing was a simulation and you see very you see various copies of the numbers over their head showing the amount of times the simulation has been run and how many times they've rebelled and how many times they haven't and as it turns out the whole thing was just was just an algorithm um, in real life, they're both in a bar. They're using the application to scan the bar, and the the application again uses set algorithm um, to figure out who in the bar would be their best match. And it turns out they're the best match for each other, and that's where the episode ends while they're playing "Hang the DJ" in the background. The significance of all, Panic. It was all the Matrix. Yeah, the, the significance of Panic is a little lost on me. If you have any insight into that, um, or no, you know, or why they decided to call it "Hang the DJ," um, uh, they mentioned they mentioned. I thought they mentioned it in the episode, but I, I just like you, I I watched it so long, you know, uh, if, uh, long enough to where I forgot what it was about. I know they had mentioned it, but it wasn't anything that made me go, "Oh yeah, that's interesting." Yeah, I don't know. Um, I have no idea wh- where they were going with that. I mean, I liked the song enough, so I was happy to. <laughs> I was happy to to have heard it. Um, the one thing that I that I was reading about was how a lot of people compared it to San Junipero, and that it's the most uplifting episode uh, yeah. of the season. And that's that's very true. I mean, essentially, it's just this. You know, it's a tale of you know a boy meets girl, uh, drawn out over an hour. You know, and and it you know, and it just it's it. What you saw is meaningless, essentially. It's it's an algorithm expressing itself in different ways. Um, but it was still you know, but that that's that's again, that's why we say this is sort of Twilight Zone ish, because you never know if what you're watching is real or if you're or if you're watching the expression of some sort of virtual space. That that's the thing I've taken from Black Mirror is they really do play with the idea of is what you're watching real life or isn't it? Um, I guess there's some fun in that. But uh, what did you think of good old Panic in the Streets of London, Panic in the Streets of Birmingham, Hang the DJ, Hang the DJ, Hang the DJ? (laughs) I did like it. It was good. Uh, You know, they had me tricked at the beginning where, you know, they sit these people down and they're having this date and I was like, oh, what crazy utopian future are we in now where nobody has to worry about uh, finding love. They just go by a, some kind of a computer program and it's all ruled by that. As a matter of fact, it's very forcefully ruled. At least that's the impression when they have these guys who are like, I don't know, Russian thugs or whatever that kind of and when they all sit down in this wonderful restaurant and then the guy acts to get up and he's kind of looking over there. I remember that's right at the beginning I was like, man, that's kind of kind of creepy how these these dudes are kind of hovering around them are they being forced to do this so they set up a great story to tell about this couple coming together finding love after giving it a shot with just about a a, a ton of well i don't know about a ton but enough uh, other potential partners i guess you would say and then rebelling against the system like you don't go over the wall that's just something you don't do 
And then, of course, at the end, you find out that's the whole purpose of this program is to find out who would actually rebel. Um, interesting stuff. I think it's another one of those great examples of technology that is just – I don't know a whole lot about the algorithms that are being done today when it comes to Tinder. I mean, that's pretty basic. You swipe it, you hit up, and you're great. Now, this is pretty – a lot – well, I would say a lot more complicated because they have these yeah, physical representations. There's no algorithms in Tinder. Tinder is – here's a zip code. Here's a, here's a radius. Here's a bunch of people <laughs> on the app in that radius. Yeah. <laughs> not cute, cute, not cute, cute, not cute, left, right, left, yeah. right, left, right. That's all Tinder is. That's basic. This was obviously a lot more – in depth, so I would say that there's probably some dating programs out there that are striving to get to this. I mean, imagine. Well, isn't that what eHarmony was? eHarmony was, you know, fill out this hundred question questionnaire. See, you didn't get to do all this, man. You you married your high school sweetheart, you little romantic. <laughs> I did. You. Ninety-eight, buddy. <laughs> you uh, Nine, you married. You went from you went from the prom to the chapel. Um, <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> So you didn't you didn't get the Match.com and eHarmony experience like I did. Like most of my friends, including myself, all met their spouses through some sort of online dating app. And um, and so I'll tell you the experience with that real quick. eHarmony, which is not something I did because it was way too expensive and I wasn't doing the 100-question questionnaire. But the whole point of eHarmony was that by doing the questionnaire, you were feeding data to this program that used an algorithm to match you to the best person for you. And I heard some people did really well with eHarmony. Other people were like, yeah, nobody matched me. Turns out they're <sighs> fucking crazy people probably, you know, or, or the so matches in their about area. The honesty when it yeah. comes to that, yeah. you want everybody to be honest. Yeah. Well, there has to be a degree of, of honest self-reflection, which I don't know how, how capable people are of that. Um, now with match match was really easy match was essentially you set up a profile and essentially it was like a more complicated tinder um you know match was again another it was a profile and a zip code and a radius that's it and i and i and, I, and you could do searches for people within that to kind of to, to, so that you're not looking at like millions of girls or millions of guys so like i remember one I did was just for people with conservative values. You know, that was my search parameter, female and conservative, just to see what was up there. And I actually think oh, that's yeah. how I stumbled upon Melissa. Um, I may have also done a big tit search. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> Maybe she was in the big tit search. Maybe she was in the conservative search. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so oh, long Lord. ago, silly. Don't ask me. I'm well, just the girl. Um, <laughs> I would hate to ask. Uh, as long as she checked both those boxes, she's a winner for you, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> she does check both those boxes, lucky dog. I am. Oh, it's horrible. Horrible. <laughs> uh. So okay. anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> I don't know how we have a female audience. I really <laughs> don't. <laughs> oh, not I after guess, today. 
I guess all the I guess all the bots listen, that that, that uh, produce listens at our podcast are females. I don't know. Um, oh boy. But anyway, uh, I really love this episode. It's 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 just under Archangel and USS Callister is one of my favorites. I I tend to like I tend to be drawn to the more uplifting, more positive episodes of Black Mirror than the ones that all end with you know perverts being killed and trapped in virtual spaces and shit like that. You yeah. know, those, those leave me feeling a little uneasy. This one left me feeling happy. So that was my thought here. Yours? It was a good one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, uh, just like you said, San Junipero or this one, when it comes to upbeat, uplifting endings, are you still, when it comes to the whole s- series so far, is San Junipero Above this one? Yes. Personal Sam Junipero, is, okay. Sam Junipero is still the best. Okay. All right. Good okay. Deal. Um, I'm going to let you, I'm going to switch. I'm going to, I'm going to let you take over as far as leading the conversation and doing the plot synopsis for this next one, because I absolutely fucking hated it. This, <laughs> this was an hour. This is 40 minutes of my life. I want back. This oh. is called metalhead. And to okay. explain why Metalhead isn't a complete piece of shit, guess <laughs> he starts, sir. Hang uh, the DJ. What is sad is that, you know, we, we're both a couple of Metalheads, and we absolutely, well, you absolutely hate this one. I, I'm starting to find some redeeming qualities because, once again, this is an episode where you have to tell yourself, ladies and gentlemen, this is an anthology series. The purpose of it is to tell a story that involves technology in some way. Uh, so here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to break it down as best as I can. It's been a while since I watched it, but I, I read up a little bit on it today. So I'm going to kind of give you a very short version of what happens. All right. Now, this one's interesting because it's shot in black and white, number one. I think this is one of the most unique episodes we've seen so far i don't think we've had a black and white episode shot here uh and it centers i think initially upon three people who are trying to get into some type of a warehouse you don't know what exactly is in there but they're going after something and there are uh, there's a conversation on the way there about the these dogs that have uh, they've definitely changed the shape in some way because uh, these people are talking about these dogs, unquote, unquote, that ha- have, like, killed off all the pigs. That was one of the first mentions of what this was. I was like, okay, what is going on? It's some kind of post-apocalyptic future or whatever. Well, anyway, they get into this warehouse, uh, and they're trying to get this box. They're being as quiet as they can be. One guy's got to stay out, you know, be the... He's got to be the kind of like the getaway driver just in case some, something goes down. And the other two, which is a lady by the name of – hold on a second. I could tell you I need to get the cast back in front of me real quick. I had the cast for all these episodes. Uh, her name is Bella. Uh, so Bella is going in there with another gentleman, one of her friends that come with her. They go into the warehouse. They try to get into this box. Uh, they don't. They aren't able to get to the box without one of these dogs showing up. Now, this is not a dog, ladies and gentlemen. This is actually a me- mechanical robot killing machine. Uh, so imagine the Terminator, uh, but 
you know, kind of put it into dog form. <laughs> your your favorite kind of uh, uh, almost like a little bit bigger than a poodle, um, and but its sole purpose is to eliminate you. And it the way that it does, it's interesting. They it shoots up this like I don't know this kind of like uh, explosive device that shoots all these trackers into you. Uh, so long story short, guy gets one of the guy the guy that goes in there whether gets killed she gets out. The guy that's the getaway driver he ends up getting killed. So it's all her by herself. Uh, so she has got to try and escape this dog. And there's a that's pretty much the whole episode is her trying to get away from the dog until finally at the end uh, the dog tracks her down. This three legged dog by the way uh, because it gets it gets. It gets its leg cut off, and it's interesting to see how it has to deal with that as a mechanical killer dog. It has to try and uh, track her down and, and, and do whatever it can to, to kill her with only three legs. That's a, that's a part of it. That's one part I, I liked about it. But anyway, at the, end of, at the end of the thing, she gets holed up in this house. The dog shows up. She has this, she has this knockdown drag out with the dog, ends up killing the thing, and before powers off it shoots up another explosive device riddles her face and everything with trackers and she heads back into the house with about i don't know another what was it like it looked like about another hundred dogs closing in on the location all right she's dead we all know that and throughout the episode she's trying to reach her uh she's trying to reach back to her base via radio and she's trying to do it as, as incognito, as inconspicuous as possible without giving her location or the location of the base. Uh, and you find out she's, she was at that warehouse to get something for somebody who was dying. I, I thought it was initially uh, like a friend of hers, but just from what I read, it sounded like it was actually for a kid. And when she gets back on the radio, she knows she's going to die. She tells him, look, just let her know that I just let everybody know that I, I did my best and I tried and I love everybody. Uh, and this is going to be my final broadcast pretty much. She knows she's going to die. She lets them know she's going to die. And she tried her best to get whatever it was in the warehouse. Dogs close in on the location. We pan out. We go back to the original warehouse that they went into. And we find that box that had got knocked over at the, at the first scuffle. And in the box is a teddy bear. What's Excuse in the me, box? A lot of teddy bears. The whole box. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? It's a whole bunch of teddy bears. So the whole point of her getting to that warehouse and this whole mission, I thought it was for medicine, but it was actually just for a teddy bear for this kid. Um, And that's where we end it. Uh, That's, we know she's dead and and we know that what they went after was just a teddy bear. So you hated it. And Mark Radledge, you're not alone. I'm on the TV time <laughs> app as we speak, okay? And I think, I believe this is the lowest rated episode of the series. It comes in at a 3.9, while the rest of them are hanging around like 7 and 8, sometimes in the 9 range. So 3.9 out of 10. Um, it's got a lot of, there's a lot of derision for it. Now, I, I found a pretty good argument as to why why this episode okay and it's real best way this guy wrote like three or four paragraphs uh but uh, you know i'm not i'm going to summarize it like this um (laughs) 
there was one guy who just posted a picture of a dog holding a knife and it said, <laughs> stare at this picture for 40 minutes and you've just watched the episode. <laughs> 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 the dog has a knife in his mouth yep. and that's it i'm talking about a real dog by the way but anyway um okay so the episode is about having feelings okay mark you, did you get the impression after watching this episode and uh, besides your hate and derision for it um did you get the impression like there this was a humanity that didn't have much hope left Yes, it's yet another post-apocalyptic movie. Uh. <laughs> well, uh. imagine, imagine there being nothing uh. left. Sorry. The only thing left for you to fight for is just, you know, a bit of happiness. You know you're going to die. You know the rest of everybody's going to die. There's nobody, nobody is going to beat these dogs. No matter what these people have done, no matter what humanity's done, they've unfortunately unleashed this horrific epidemic of these you know these metal terrors that are coming after them that there's nothing left uh so the only thing to do is just provide try and provide happiness before you know other people die and that's where i think the big thing you know the big ending where they pan over and they see the teddy bears scattered scattered across the floor it's a the whole fucking purpose- slasher movie <sighs> well i'll give you that i mean it's just like terminator I, I made that comparison. This unstoppable machine coming after a person, and they've got to try and figure out a way to beat it. And yeah, and and they lose. And they well, lose. That's not very fun. <laughs> well, it again, it was shot. It was shot in black and white. I don't think there was any type of political statement here, other than just hum, You know, monster robot made, dogs are bad. Yeah, humanity may humanity may unleash uh, a a horrific plague upon itself to where the only thing they could do. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm looking too deep. Bad. It it wasn't horrible, <laughs> but I'll tell you right now, it. I was interested in the. I wanted this girl to get away. I was interested in the whole episode. I was invested. So, when I compare this to Crocodile, Croc. This one has more of a replay value, I guess I would say, than Crocodile does. Because Crocodile, to me, was all about, like, like okay, why is she doing this? I, don't, I have no idea why she can. And it didn't make any sense to me as to why that lady was continuing to kill people and thinking she could screw it, you know, thinking she could just sweep it no, under the rug. No, it made sense. She, she, she didn't want to go to prison uh, for murdering people. She look. She even though the Indian woman was like, "I'm not going to tell anybody. I can't tell anybody." They're like, "That's that's horseshit." You're in, in in situations like that. You're a mandated reporter, and she can say all day long, "Look, I won't tell. I won't tell." But she, you know, ethically, legally, she has to tell, and yeah, that's why she and that she bites it. Mm. This I, well, I, I I just I, I hear you and. and and you're and you're doing your best to defend the episode, and you're doing a good job. And all I'm doing is just like, you know, as I'm standing in the back of the classroom throwing paper airplanes at you, and yeah. poop. <laughs> <laughs> I want to look at what Crocodile got because I think Crocodile got a good rating. I just want to compare it. Yeah, Crocodile got eight point oh two out of ten. I I was not impressed with Crocodile at all. So uh, well, for I like Metalhead. Croc- 
I, I like Metalhead better. We are we are going to okay. see differently here, sir. Yes, we are. All right, um, that leads us to our season finale, Black Museum. I completely misread their description on this. I thought it was going to be like horrible things done to black people. Oh, dude. Um, and like, oh, whoops. <laughs> well, they don't they don't exactly spell it out there at the beginning. They they definitely leave that open to interpretation because you you immediately see that our our main character is a young Afro American African American lady. Uh, so. I'm like, oh no, this is going to be bad. She's going to go in here, and it's going to be. This is going to have racial overtones, and I was, I didn't know what to expect. But what we get out of this is a great episode, though. So th- this is much like the uh, the Christmas episode, I think, where it's several stories crammed into one episode. Uh, mm-hmm. First, we have a doctor who gets a neural implant that where he can feel the pain other people feel, which helps him diagnose. Um, it. Uh, you know, it, it, it improves his sex life. It makes him a better doctor, makes him good to his mother. It gives him superpowers. He fights Thanos. It's all great. No, right. Yeah. It's all gravy. And <laughs> it's all gravy. In the no wonder this one did well. <laughs> um, and then unfortunately somebody comes in and he stay and he's connected to them while they're dying. And it, uh, for, so for him, it turns him, you know, it makes him able in the beginning to like resist the pain now it's made him uh, obsessed with the pain. And so uh, he slowly sort of descends into, into obsession and addiction and madness. Uh, he, self, he self-mutilates and eventually he murders somebody. And, he, uh, and in the process of murdering them, it's so, you know, it hurts so good that he goes into a coma. So that's the first story. The second story is my, is my living fucking nightmare. Because as we all know, I... <laughs> I am counting down the days. You are. Uh, you are, sir. Um, when I can upload my consciousness into a virtual space that you know that isn't a fucking living nightmare, I will be very. I will be a very happy person. However, and, and I'm telling, and, and I want this recorded for posterity. I do not want my consciousness uploaded into someone else's brain, nor do I want my consciousness uploaded into a fucking toy. Oh man. I, I either oh. want a robot body I want a cyborg body, living tissue over a metal exoskeleton uh, endoskeleton, like a terminator, or I want to be in a virtual space. I want to be in San Junipero. Those are the only options from Aki. Don't put me in a fucking teddy bear. <laughs> I am not Teddy Ruxpin. Oh man. I don't need a hug and I don't love you. Got it? Okay. Oh. But uh, so you have this woman who gets fucking hit by a bus, which I also mm. think is a common thing in Black Mirror. What's with all the people getting hit by buses? <laughs> um, so she gets fucking nailed and she ends up in a coma and they decide they're going to upload her consciousness into the part of the brain that father of her child is it using. And... So I, I, I don't understand. See, this is the one thing I didn't get about this episode. Who the fuck agrees to this? You know, who, uh, <laughs> I know when nobody's looking, I like to eat a cheeseburger on the toilet. And I like to, <laughs> <laughs> and I like to do oh. other unsavory things oh, in the boy. privacy of my own home. The last thing I need is, is, is my wife or somebody I love in the back of my mind going, seriously, why would you eat this on the toilet? Get up. Oh, <laughs> for God's sake. What are you doing, the, man? 
This is the kind of porn you watch, you pig? You know, that sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I, man, that was one of the first things I thought of when I saw this guy. I was like, I was like, what are you doing, dude? Why are you doing this? You uh, clearly didn't think this through. It was, it was obviously, you know, it was a, a move on his part to try and save the woman he loved and especially knowing that she could communicate. I think that's probably what made it rough. She was in that coma, but she could communicate with a yes or no. And the, you know, by somehow digitally doing it. So, you know, that person is able to, that's one of our biggest questions, isn't it, Mark? Like if somebody's laying in a coma, you go and you talk to them and can they hear you? They'll always say, you know, most people, nurses or sometimes will say, yeah, you talk to the talk to them. They they might be able to hear you. And in this case, she was able to, you know, hear him. Um yeah. and then the option was presented, well, hey, you know, we could take her and put her in your head and she would be actually able to feel things and I, it was a good argument. You know, you're kind of caught in a conundrum where you're like, okay, well, I really don't want this person to die. So, the only way that I can keep them alive, and I bet you if you talk to you know, a lot of people out there, if they had the opportunity to keep somebody alive that's passed on in some way, shape, or form in their own head, this might be an option that they would consider. But I'll tell you what. Well, what, I, what I didn't understand, though, what I didn't understand was why they couldn't upload her consciousness into uh, the body of a brain-dead person. Essentially, somebody who is on a respirator um, you know, where the, the body functions well enough, but the brain is gone. Mm-hmm. Why they couldn't upload her consciousness into, you know, into that Good kind point. of a being. I mean, maybe, um, why, I mean, maybe there's something I, I, I never thought of that. I've got arguments as to why maybe not, but I mean, then it'd just sound like a damn nerd. So <laughs> I'll let you continue. <laughs> And, and again, why not? Why not a cyborg body? I just, I just think like when I when I saw what the plot here was was he was they were gonna upload her consciousness into the back of this guy's head. Like, yeah, you're not thinking this through at you're, all, and it ends, and it ends the way you would think it would end with him like get this out of me, you know. And then she ends yeah. up, and then it was just like, well, here's an idea. How about a teddy bear? Like again, how about something that can actually. And and and, and the, I think the phrase that he uses was like, "has oh shit, what's the um like access to the world?" But that's not the phrase he uses. Um, okay. let's see if it's actually in the. Uh, I don't recall. I don't recall who said it. Was the um, the you're talking the, about Jack the. the the no, the proprietor of the uh, of the thing. Um, I know they shoved her in the monkey. Mainly, oh yeah, because she had that yes no thing. That's right. right. She could communicate sort of where she would say, "Monkey wants a hug," or "Monkey doesn't like that," something like that. And you know, the the whole purpose of that was because they had a kid together. I don't know if we mentioned that yet or not. But they right. had a kid together, and she wanted to be able to feel him giving her a hug and be able to watch him watch them grow. Um, mm-hmm. And there I had man, to, another there had to have been a better option than the fucking stuff toy. Is my point. <laughs> I um, hear you. 
throw it in a computer. I mean, there you go. Here's yeah. here's your computer mom, and you can and, talk and to her anytime said, you log on. And I remember they said that it was illegal to put her in the monkey, and that's how he lost his job in the first place because essentially, you know, you, oh, you put her in, yeah. you put her inside like a dead body, you know, for the for all intents and purposes. Um, yep. and, and you and you can only communicate in those two phrases again. There had to have been a better way. Um, and the third story is he gets the uh, the digital copy of the of the of the death row inmate who turns out is not uh, it turns out is not guilty, but that's besides the point. He um, he gets the rights to his digital copy, which he turns into an attraction where people can kill him over and over and over. Again. Over and over and over. And um, over. This leads to the, the you know, so the, the whole episode is him telling these three stories to this one black girl who turns out is the, is the death row inmate's daughter who has the mom implanted in her head. And this has all been a big scheme to get back at the guy for torturing his, her father. Uh, and she ends up killing him, putting his digital conscious in there. And he's forever being, and, and he, his existence essentially is to exist being tortured forever. So, uh, it's, that, okay. again, it's one of those where it's like, yeah, he's a shitty guy, but that seems a bit much for me. That that seems like a bit too much. We, I think one of the biggest commentaries that this is trying to make is about the importance or the non-importance that we put upon some kind of AI representation of somebody. That was kind of like what we saw at the beginning with yeah. USS Captain the word I was looking for was agency. You have to have agency. agency. Yes. Okay. So, you know, there's there's this commentary about how it does this it, does this thing have life? Does it not have life? Uh, can we treat it like a computer program and delete it? I mean, that that's a common theme throughout many episodes of Black Mirror. Uh, you know, back again to White Christmas, right at the end of that at the end of that episode where that guy's digital consciousness is in that little, what do they call it? A cookie. And they set it on, and it's sitting on that guy's desk and he kind of like, okay, well, how long are we going to make him stay in there? And they turn it up to like a thousand years and it goes by in like an hour or something. But regardless, the thing inside there is, is going insane. This representation of somebody. Well, that's happening here too with that death row inmate who gets electrocuted over and over and over. Uh, is he, is he actually that guy? Is he that person? Well, at <clears throat> at some point in our lives, we're going to be presented possibly with something like this. Uh, right now, I mean, I, I don't know if we have anything like that other than your characters that you have on your video games, uh, where you, you your World of Warcraft guy that you put so much time into, uh, and then you turn around and end up losing. Well, you're you're going to feel pretty sorry about that. But imagine if it was a consciousness of a loved one that was in a that, that's in a game or that's in a that's in a virtual world that could be tortured uh, like that one guy was. Um, it it was that's that's the thing that I that I see here that they're trying to say is like well okay well you you know these things are real. It seems like they make them out to be so real. And in fact, there's a and they don't talk about it a whole lot here, but there's themes of it where death is something that happens to a lot of people, and we want to hold on to something from them. 
So yeah, can I get a digital copy of my, you know, of my mom before she before she passes away? Okay, great. I'll keep her right here. And yeah, her body might be gone, but and her spirit might be gone. But here's her here's her little cookie on my desk, and I can talk to her anytime I want to. Does that make her who it is? Well, in this episode, that guy's daughter was so upset at how evil this proprietor proprietor was, the the owner of the Black Museum for torturing that representation of her father over and over and over again, that she went and killed this guy, murdered him. Uh, all, and of course, it's not like she didn't, wasn't driven along the way by her own mother, who was in the back of her head watching everything that went down. And not only did she kill him, she then took him and, uh, just like you said, took him and put him in a representation of a, a little keychain, for a souvenir, hung it on her mirror as he continued electrocuted over and over and over. Um, and just the commentary of this episode alone. Okay, great. I've already talked about that. The other thing is, one of the big things about this episode is about how it's come in and tied all of the other episodes sort of together. I shouldn't say all of them, but you will see representations in the Black Museum from a lot of the previous episodes to this in Black Mirror. Uh, and I'm sure you've probably seen it, Mark, but there's definitely a an article out there and a case to be made that every single one of these stories that we've seen happen in the series so far are in the same universe. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, there's the mementos. Like one of the things I saw was there was a uh, he showed one of the bees from like the third season that that uh, mm. you remember that. Yep. Where the electronic bees, so that that was in there. <laughs> then they had the uh, they had the uh, archangel tablet was in there as well. Yep. Um, there was there was all sorts of neat little tie, uh, ties to previous episodes, but I like this one. By the way, Aldous Hodge, the guy that played Bla- uh, the guy that played Jack, get that right. Uh, the guy that played Jack was uh, is probably one of my favorite actors. Uh, I don't know if you've seen him in any other things. He's not really prominent, but he's been in a show called Leverage, which I really liked. It was a heist show, Aldous Hodge, and I, I love seeing him in this episode. So, wh- what do you got to say, Mark? Let's wrap up. Um, we're into overtime. I'm not going to add any more time to this. Uh, overall, I enjoyed this season. Um, like I said, really liked USS Callister. Loved Archangel. Loved uh, Hang the DJ. Wasn't wild about Crocodile. Hated Metalhead. Thought this one was fine. Uh, the, the Black Museum, whatever it was called. Um, yeah, Black Museum. Yep, I thought it was I thought it was fine. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I thought the technology was interesting. And uh, I guess I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with uh, the next episode of Black Mirror. I'll let you have the final okay. word, and then we'll get out of here. All right, let me ask you one question, okay? Sure. Do you feel Do you feel like some of the the themes throughout each episode are getting a little bit repetitive? Yes. I feel like we're seeing a lot of the same technology over and over again. But I'm okay with that because it's not the technology that's the story. It's how you watch it. It's not how you watch it. It's how they use it. Okay. Um, I think there has to be. Hey, guess what I just got in my email? Tell me. I just got an I just got an alert about the new Barbie movie. 
oh boy, you're going to have a crisis now. We're about to go back Let's to Facebook, see. have a poll. <laughs> uh, yeah, here we go. Barbie 2020 movie, January 30th, 2018, changed the U.S. film release from August 8th, 2018 to May 8th, 2020. <laughs> Can I ask you why you're getting those emails? And, and, and I mean, do you, are you set up on some kind of mailing list for that? Yes, I'm set. I'm. I have a movie alert for Movie Insider for the Barbie movie. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So I was worried, like you were so enthused about a Barbie movie, you had to be updated specifically about that movie once something popped up. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Uh, okay. All right. My final thoughts: Black Mirror. Uh, yeah. <laughs> see, season four. I, I enjoyed most of what I saw. I, this was something I was able to binge. I like I, I, I like love or like something like that. Uh, I I like the six episode you know format. It's mm-hmm. you, you get in, you get out, and you've watched the whole series, and you're you, you know you got a whole you got a whole year to wait. I, sometimes I don't like waiting, but I'm all right with that. I, I think they did okay with this season. This wasn't something that knocked my socks off like. The, the second season. I think the second season for me is probably my favorite so far out of all four. Um, but regardless, there's plenty of food for thought right here in season four. Give it a, give it a, give it a good look. See, don't expect a whole lot of commentary like you've gotten before. In this particular case, you may just have to sit through a show and be scared and be all right with that. That's, that's, that's all you need to do. It's a show. It's a TV show for your liking. So anyway, uh, other than that, I, I liked it. Season five. Can't wait. I, uh, I definitely want to see more commentary. I don't mind if the technology is the same, but I, I want to see more uh, commentary about society. I think those are the ones that I enjoy the best. So uh, hopefully that's what we'll get with season five. I assume it's going to be renewed for another season. I haven't really checked to see one way or the other. Uh, We'll see what happens. But um, tomorrow night on the Rattlers and Broadcast Network, we've got the Metal Hammer of Doom. We're going to look at the new Machine Head Catharsis. And uh, we were supposed to do this on... We were supposed to do this tonight. Just uh, I had a very busy weekend, so I had to shift everything. So we are doing an on-trial for The Godfather. We're just doing it on Thursday instead of Tuesday. Uh, I'm defending. Sean is prosecuting. It should be a fun time. Jesse, go ahead and do your plugs. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, go give that Rattlich in Broadcasting Network Facebook page a like to stay up on top of all the great podcasts that we have to offer. We have MMA. We have wrestling. We have video games. We've talked comic books. Speaking of comic books, I have a show on here called Source Material. It is uh, a show, pretty much a a book club about comics and recently whew, I don't know what we talked about recently. It's we didn't talk this past Monday, but the previous Monday was, was that vision? Yep. I can't remember. Was it? Uh, I'm going to say it was. Yes, it was the but, vision. And then the next one is saga. Okay. All right. Saga is going to be releasing this coming Monday. That's a great series. Me, Mark and Ronnie Adams got together, talked about that. Vision was a great series by Tom King. Go back and check that out. Uh, it's fantastic. Six issues, or was six? I want to say twelve, maybe twelve issues. I can't even remember. I don't care. Check it out. It was a fun discussion. Um, other than that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you can follow me at Stiznarkey on Twitter if you do so wish. I'm ready to get out of here, Mark Rattlish. Take us home. 
All right. Thanks for joining me on TV Party tonight, Mr. Jesse Starcher. Be well, be safe, and behave.